Good morning, everyone. My name is Pete, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Epiphany Station. Last week, we talked about baptism, and we discussed how identifying with Jesus is a means uh, by which baptism will fulfill that identification. We're able to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and this is a means and a way in which I am being a witness to others and expressing that inward change that has happened in me in an outward sort of way. This morning we're going to be talking about baptism again, but it's a different type. It's being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now this is a phrase that for some is rather enigmatic. We wonder, what is that really, what does it mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? And as I did some research on this and and recognized for some time now that theologians and scholars and and, and, uh, uh, preachers, pastors, have varying differences, uh, not differences as much as degrees of of, uh, perspective on what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. My emphasis this morning isn't going to be on necessarily defining specifically what baptized with the Holy Spirit means as much as giving us a greater sense, hopefully, of the understanding that the Holy Spirit is for our benefit. God designed that the Holy Spirit would live in us in order to provide opportunities for us to do kingdom work and to experience the fullness of God in our lives. If we look at Acts chapter 1, that's where we begin our scripture reference this morning. Acts chapter 1 at verse 5, Jesus has of course resurrected at this point and he is meeting with his disciples and we really commonly refer to them now as apostles, meaning those who are sent. And these, uh, these apostles are ready to receive instruction from their master in regard to the future. What's going to happen now? And Jesus says this, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded his disciples to wait in Jerusalem and to wait for the promise of the Father. That promise was the power, the dynamite of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, again, Our goal is to recognize that God in His purpose has benefited us the opportunity and the reality of knowing that we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we come to faith in Christ, we do so only with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus asked Peter, Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered by saying, You are the Christ, the Messiah the Son of the living God. Jesus assured Peter that he didn't figure this out on his own because he was so smart. No, rather he came to understand that Jesus was God's Son because it was revealed to Peter by the Holy Spirit. In another place in the Bible, in John chapter 3, Jesus describes to Nicodemus, a teacher of the Jewish law, what it means to be born again. And of course, uh, if you recall the account, Nicodemus is asking Jesus, how can a man be born again when he is old? We can understand the incongruity there. But Jesus explains to Nicodemus that this kind of birth, it's a spiritual rebirth. It's something that we can't 
easily understand. And so that's the first point this morning, is, is to jot this down. Let's not put the Holy Spirit in a box. If we look at John chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus is describing again to Nicodemus when he says this about the Holy Spirit. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in a sense mysterious in that we cannot calculate His work. He's not so predictable, nor is He able to be controlled by human beings. The Holy Spirit, like the wind, is ever dynamic. And, and the Greek word here for spirit is pneuma. You recognize that, that word, pneuma, pneumatics, air, wind. The wind blows wherever it wants, Jesus says. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. But this is how people are born of the Spirit, ever dynamic. See, regardless of how long we've been walking with the Lord, there's a treasure, a vast treasure, a, a, the, the depth of of the knowledge of God or the, the depth of the power that God has is limitless. And even, even for, for the most devout believer who's, who's for, for decades has been walking with the Lord, just, just a little scratch of the surface of God's depth and the power that He provides in our lives. As Jesus described to Nicodemus what it meant to be born from above, to be born again. We understand spiritual birth happens because God initiates this new birth in the first place. This is so important for us to really understand. It's not as if we can, on our own power, choose God. Rather, He chooses us and He softens our heart. He, he, he works on us in such a way that we come to realize and then, yes, we recognize and, and choose for ourselves to receive His love rather than to reject it. Now, historically, this was an extremely pivotal moment in time as the beginning of the church took place in that first chapter, that second chapter of Acts, when these apostles received amazing power from the Holy Spirit to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world knew nothing about Jesus. The indwelling power of the Holy Spirit was a brand new concept even to those apostles. As Jesus goes on to say in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The apostles didn't have any knowledge of this new kind of work that the Holy Spirit would empower them to do. It was a pivotal time in the nation of Israel, and the world would forever be changed because of it. It was special, and it was a unique time in the history of our world. Now, up to the present, there is tremendous power available to us today as followers of Jesus Christ.
Second point, the Holy Spirit is always present in our lives. I'm speaking in terms of believers here. If you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, you trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is present always in your life. To illustrate this point more clearly and the importance of it, we turn to the book of John, chapter 16. Jesus makes a statement here that is astounding. I want you to think, though, before we read that verse, think about this. What if Jesus, in physical form, was to be here right now in our midst? How would we feel about that? The idea would just be amazing. You know, oftentimes people go over to Israel and and we walk in places where Jesus walked and and we recognize how powerful that is. And wow, wouldn't that be something just to be able to have a conversation with Jesus right now in physical form? And yet this is what Jesus tells his disciples as, as he is preparing them for his departure. In John chapter 16, he says this, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the Advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send Him to you. The presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those disciples was something that they had not yet fully grasped, or even partially in some ways. But Jesus very clearly states that the Holy Spirit, who is mysterious, dynamic like the wind, is present for each believer. And it is best that the Holy Spirit would come rather than Jesus himself staying on earth with us. Whatever baptism in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit means, rest assured, it's a work of God done in the life of anyone who believes and trusts in Jesus Christ. This is an amazing truth. If Jesus can be trusted... This is a most remarkable thing for us to grasp. Now the Greek word in John 16 for Holy Spirit is taken from the, the word paraclete. It means to come alongside, to be a helper. Very personal. When conversion takes place in our lives, that's just the beginning. And the Holy Spirit resides within us and we have a lifetime to grow in this newfound fellowship with God. Point number three. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to live differently. How often do we hear people say that, I don't want to go to church because there's just a bunch of hypocrites there. They don't practice what they preach, all these kind of things. And there's all sorts of responses that we can give to that because I'm under the impression that actually everybody is a, a, a little bit of a hypocrite at least. But the point is well taken in that if you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to show it by your actions. And that's actually scriptural. If we look at Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the people there in, in Galatia, which is now modern day Turkey. And he says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. This is to be juxtaposed with the previous words that Paul shares with the same audience when he was referring to what life looked like before you became followers of Jesus. You, you were jealous. You were full of rage, drunkenness, sexual immorality. These were the things that defined you, but you know what? No longer do they define you. These are the things that are bearing fruit now in your lives. Let's say for ourselves that, and I want you to picture uh, in your mind the the course of your week, whatever it is that you do in the course of your week, whether you're at work, uh, normally at school, of course this is summertime now, maybe at home with the kids, or interacting with friends on, on a social level in some way, the fruit that the Holy Spirit bears out in our lives is going to be evident in those situations that we interact with people. The words we use, the tone in which we use those words, the attitudes that we portray, the sensitivity that we have toward others because all of those words, all of those attributes in Galatians 5, they're done in a group. They're not done back in a corner somewhere. I'm going to read them again. Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Not naturally. This is not our natural bent to be any of those things. That's really good news for us, knowing that it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to practice this fruit in our lives. We don't have to try harder. Simply submit to His power. Point number four. The Holy Spirit gifts us to do kingdom work. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lists lists many gifts and abilities and attributes. This isn't the only text where spiritual gifts are listed, but in 1 Corinthians 12, it lists quite a few gifts, and I'll just name a few. The power to perform miracles, the ability to prophesy, or to be God's mouthpiece. The ability to discern if a message is from God or not. Speaking in tongues, some unknown language. Teaching, being a helper, just to name a few. But it's so critical that we remember it's the Holy Spirit that provides these gifts in the first place. If we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, The Apostle Paul is sharing this with the Corinthian believers. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. When God is in charge of the economy, there's enough for everyone to go around. He's gifted each believer 
in some way. It's beautiful when a church works in a way that God designed. It's not just the pastor. And at Epiphany here, there's many, many people that are constantly moving and working and allowing the Holy Spirit to use them in ways that God designed us to be used. It takes each member of the body of Christ to exercise his or her spiritual gift to be conduits of God's power, his love, his truth, and his faithfulness. Fifth point. The influence of the Holy Spirit becomes greater when we become less. Turn back to John chapter 3. Jesus is baptizing people. And John's followers go to John and say, how come they're going to Jesus? How come they're going to Him? They're not coming to us because after all, John the Baptist, that's what he did was he baptized people. And John explains that he's not the Messiah. Don't follow me. Rather go to Him. And John says this in verse 30, chapter 3. He, meaning Jesus, must, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. This is always where the rubber hits the road as we develop as Christians. John wanted to get out of the way and saw it as necessary to get out of the way and allow Jesus to do what he came to do. It was John's calling to simply let people know, hey, don't follow me. Follow Him. It was His call to prepare the way for the Messiah. As it is the same with us, it's a sign of growth when we say, don't don't look at me in the sense of, I have the answers. Look to the one who does. But we, by our conduct, can be conduits to remind people where the strength, where the power comes from. At Epiphany, every Sunday we do what we call next step. It's a means in which we put feet to what we hear in Scripture. Here's the challenge for this morning as our next step. Get small. Get small. In the spirit of John the Baptist, less of me, Lord, more of you. If it's true that you sent the Holy Spirit, and if it's true that it's to our benefit that you sent the Holy Spirit to work in my life, to, to give me the ability to bear good fruit, if those things are true, if it's true that your Holy Spirit is what makes a difference in my life, then it only makes sense that the natural stuff in me the tendency that I have to walk away from God, my own ego, and and all the things that accompany that ego, the insecurities and so on and so forth, to let go of that and say, Lord, I don't know how this works altogether, but 
would you fill me with your Holy Spirit in ways that will stir within me the desire, the ability to spread your kingdom work wherever I go with my attitude, with my words, my thoughts, my actions. I'm not talking here about lessening in significance because all of us have deep significance in God's eyes. We are created with intrinsic value, born in His image, and the fact that Jesus died for us shows us that we have great significance. Significance doesn't lessen when we say, less of me, Lord, more of you. No, rather it's the recognition that it's His power that empowers me to do what He calls me to do. In a moment, we are going to have an opportunity to practice what Scripture reminds us and tells us we ought to do on a regular basis, and that's to recall what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. And keep in mind that all of this discussion, all of this talk about the Holy Spirit would not have taken place without what previously took place when Jesus took care of that sin problem to build a bridge between us and Father God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you trust in Him for your salvation, you are encouraged this morning, you are welcome to participate in this communion time together. If you're not there, if, if you don't describe yourself or, or yet know uh, Jesus as your Savior, uh, there is nothing wrong with just staying right where you are. Uh, there, there, there's... There's no expectations here this morning in that regard. Here's how it works. We have three stations, uh, two on my far left and, and right and one in the middle here. And you'll be encouraged if you're in, in the, the outer aisles to come up through the middle and to go to the, the, the left and the right and, and then return to your seat from the side aisles. Now, if you're in this middle section, encourage <laughs> encourage you to, we're going to do a clockwise thing here. So you're going to come up from this aisle and receive the bread. There's a gluten-free option here too. The bread and the juice. And then return coming this way. Does that make sense? After which, we've had our communion time, and, and this is something between you and the Lord. And so you, you bring the bread and the juice back to your seat. And you just take however much time you would like to interact with the Lord, considering what He has done on our behalf. After which, the, the prayer team will be uh, up here available to pray with you for any concerns that you have, and especially in regard to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, perhaps 
there is a means in which we can pray with you to give you a greater sense, uh, to, to allow God to work in you in ways that you didn't know before. We don't know what God can do, but we know that he has the power to do great things. So as the worship team leads us in a song now, we just encourage you at this time to share in this communion time together.